Don't tell Dave we're recording another podcast because he might try and vomit somehow. I'll keep it very quiet. I'm sure he's probably passed out on the floor somewhere. That's quite likely. But anyway, better safe than sorry. (laughs) Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast uh graham and i are a little bit nervous this is uh, this evening that, that dave might try and join in but we didn't tell him when we were recording so it'll probably be okay anyway how are you buddy i'm very good thank you very very good yeah it's one of those things that because you have such ninja editing skills at this point that the listeners probably don't realize that um dave edit that out aid balkan is uh He's a little toe rag. He really is. <laughs> he makes your life so hard. And um, if it wasn't for the fact that it would probably get us kicked off, not only the iTunes, but possibly the internet as a whole, I would say just release it raw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wants to hear that, really. really. You, you know, he's very lucky because, as I said to him last week, from the, the couple of recorded podcasts with Chris, Chris would just dig through the. Uh, pre and post chat audio and just stick bits at the end and drop, drop me right in it whereas you're very good you cut out all of his bits but yeah the number of times that dave uh, uttered the words uh, edit that out aid <laughs> <laughs> the number of times we had to do multiple takes just to get his terrible jokes in <laughs> i mean always worth it in well, the end. But... yeah it is worth it in the end and not all of his jokes were terrible hi dave how you doing anyway <laughs> um welcome listeners to episode 24 uh this week it's just graham and i and we have some fun stuff to talk about and i know this isn't going to be particular pop particularly popular but we're also going to be talking about presents for the holiday season yeah that's probably scared everybody away i think um Oh, okay. I thought you were going to start playing the guitar then, but no. No, no. no. People have had a rough enough week as it is. I don't think I want to make it worse for them by starting to play the guitar. Yes, yes. Uh, Goodbye, America. It was nice knowing you. Um, And uh, (laughs) try not to take the rest of us down with you. (laughs) Anyhow, um, Graham, you said you had a, a, a little short update for us to start the podcast off today. Yeah, I just wanted to share this very quickly because I've not had much chance to do anything particularly fun and photographic this week. But I did get one evening where I was going to develop some photos um, for my summer holidays because that's how long it takes me to get around to things. And I finally finished up a roll of film. And it was some of the um, Kodak Vision 50D. Uh, so that's the color film that has the Remjet on it. So, okay, I'm going to get this done tonight. So I went and got out all my film uh, color film. 41 kit and the first thing that struck me was that my developer looked awful black (laughs) i'm pretty sure it wasn't black when i put it away last time i put it back in the bottle but when i tipped out into its uh little jug it was black um and although i've not run that many films through it it's been a few months now i think i probably started using it in july so i don't know whether it's just timed out either way I've already lost one film to expired chemicals this year and I wasn't going to do it again, particularly not with my holiday photos. And also I wanted to mix up a larger batch of C41 chemicals because when I did the first load, I mixed up 500 milliliters, which seemed like a good idea at the time, except 
that's not two rolls of film at once, which is really annoying when you have two rolls of film to develop. So I thought, okay, this developer is black. That seems bad. And I need some bigger load anyway. So I tipped it away, got rid of it all, and uh, went to mix up some new chemicals. This is only the second time I've done this. And the only bit that requires a particular amount of concentration is the developer because that's in three stages so you got you get your water then you add a developer part a stir 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 then you add developer part b stir 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 in its tiny little pot and then developer part c stir 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 so i did all this and mixed it all up and it was only when i was tipping it into the container that it gets stored in so i could mix up the bleach and everything else that i thought well, this this is foaming a lot more than I remember my developer foaming before. Is developer um, supposed to foam? Uh, no, it, it shouldn't be frothy. Certain things should be frothy, like coffee and uh, shaving foam, I expect. But not <laughs> film developer. At least the first batch I made of film developer wasn't. And it was when I looked back at the table full of bottles that I'd got that I realised that uh, developer B in its nice little bottle and putting three milliliters of that in i put in the stabilizer which also comes in the nice teeny tiny bottle but with a different um and the stabilizer uh, i'm not sure exactly what it does it's the last step in the developing process and i think it's similar to photo flow so this is a a um chemical a, a bit like washing up liquid that Ooh. um coats the film <laughs> and makes all the water run off and makes it all nice and streak free and really frothy and that that's what i'd added to the developer so after going to all the trouble of mixing up that batch of fresh developer i then had to tip all of that down the sink as well and mix up another load and by the time i'd done all of that it was too late and I'd lost the will to develop the role of film anyway. So that's as close as I got on the bright side. I now have that developer ready to go for next time. Um, and so, your yeah. drains are really clean as well by the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been cleaned nicely by the stabilizer running through. Oh, well, that's, that's, yeah, this is the upside to everything. I have to say, though, that uh, that that film you were mentioning now, I mean, that's almost enough. That's almost old enough to have somebody else's grandma on it, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's for me, that's quite quick turnaround because, I mean, that's only three months since I was actually actively taking the photographs with it. So that's pretty good going for me. Um, I've got some stuff that's sitting in there far longer. I'm, I'm making a concerted effort to try and take these last few photos, but it's like pulling teeth. It really is. Um, my life is just so spectacularly uninteresting that I never see anything I want to take a picture of. It's very, very sad. Yeah, man. Travel. Travel. You need to travel. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I'm actually hoping to go, well, not hoping to. I'm off to meet some friends tomorrow. So um, I might try and get some pictures then. Heading heading into London town again twice are this you? year. Wow. I don't know what's come over me. Yeah. It's, uh... That's, well, that, yeah. And are you going for a particular event or just to catch up with people? Are you going to do any sightseeing? Well, yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's not for any, well, it's to, purely to meet up with my two friends um and then what i suspect will happen because it's three blokes with no particular purpose will just wander aimlessly around like little lost laughs because that tends to be what happens so um is there anything good going on i should look out at the moment aid uh that is a good question where are we sort of coming into the middle of november um 
it's always i mean there's there's the places that are always interesting and always have some stuff on like you're wandering along the south bank on a saturday there's always tons and tons of stuff on mm-hmm. uh you might try uh there might be something on at somerset house they might have the ice rink open by now uh, mm-hmm. and uh the ooh, i don't know i'd have to look that up i'm afraid i'm not aware of anything majorly exciting going on in london but uh, you know, so there's all. It depends on where you go. I mean, if if you want to, if you fancy taking some photos, you can never go wrong with somewhere like um, Camden Market, which is yeah. en- enormous and colourful and lots of things happening. And yeah, there's plenty of places to have lunch and cups of coffee or or tea in your case, of course. And and uh, I'm sure you'd be able to get all sorts of different kinds of tea in Camden. Ah, oh, that sounds good. I, I, just, I am going to try and drag them up to the uh, camera museum just so I can go and raid the cheap camera basket again. Um, but whether they'll go for that, I do not know. They are not photographers themselves, so that might be a hard sell. Well, okay. So uh, are you go- are you're just going to sp- it's going to be pouring with rain, isn't it? You're going to be just spending the rest of the afternoon in the pub, I guess. Yeah, probably. That sounds like a particularly good plan. <laughs> Oh, well, well, I hope you have fun. Take a waterproof camera tomorrow. The weather forecast does look terrible. Oh, good. Something to look forward to. Yeah. At least we've got a few of those. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. Be good, 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 good outing for them. So what have you been up to, Aid? You've had a more active week than I have this week. Well, uh, it's very nice of you to say so. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, always feel that way. Um, there's been a lot of work, but uh, I tell you what I have been doing. I've been preparing for for the project that I was talking about last week in some way. You know, sort of thinking it through a bit more, but also actually sort of doing a little bit of uh, f- photography. In believe it or not, um, so <laughs> I've been carrying my Instax camera around with me on the commute this last week, and uh, I and because it's night times on my commute home at the moment. Um, I, it's it's uh, not exactly ideal lighting conditions for Instax film and Instax cameras, except for the 10 second bulb mode. So what I've been doing is I've been just finding on my walk around, my walks around uh, places to rest the camera, you know, like the uh, the parapet of a bridge over the River Thames or a, a bench outside a pub and things like that. And actually sort of taking some 10 second exposures because mm. um, it's a commute. I can't really carry a tripod around with me all day, um, but uh, it, it, I've got a couple out that have, um, I've been quite impressed with, actually. Uh, that sounds good. I, it almost sounds like, you know, in a way that Fuji didn't really think about any of the ways of shooting with an Instax camera and they've just given you a, a, a box with an imp in it that does something unpredictable every time you press the button. Um, <laughs> the the 10 second bulb thing seems to have been tested weirdly because yeah the, the 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 bulb mode in the Instax cameras yeah uh, the longest you can use it is 10 seconds typically and it certainly yeah. is in my model uh, but that seems to be just about the right length of time to decently expose a nighttime shot in a city. So your blacks are, uh, you know, a black, but of course, I mean, there's not a lot of black in a city, even at night, of course, because there's light everywhere. But you, mm. you're, you know, it actually works really well, and you get yeah. And uh, so I've had a couple. I posted one on Twitter actually. It was uh, 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 under a railway arches bridge uh, on my commute home. It's got. Uh, uh, I was sat on a pub bench and I, I, I propped up the camera, and uh, there were lights under the arches, and there's some streaks of red lights of vehicles going by and stuff like that. I thought I'd mucked it up at one 
one point because uh, a fella walked straight past me, but he was walking towards the camera, so he was in the shot for ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it felt like ages, but actually, when I looked at when it when it came out and it developed, uh, he wasn't there at all. So there you the, go. The joy of long exposures. I mean, this is the thing with pinhole photography is that people just disappear. I I, I rem- of a technique that I saw somebody use um, as a picture on Flickr from years ago, and he was shooting a, a Brownie 127 film camera, which is a really very basic old film camera. Um, he has the name's Jesse, and it's just a, it's a Brownie, so it's got a button to press the end and one shutter speed. And what he'd done, because of the limitations of when you know, you're in a dark area, you can't there's no bulb mode on that um but the shutter was uncoupled from the winder so you could just fire that shutter as many times as you want and i think he'd taken a picture in um a train station or something like that and he'd obviously set it as you're saying on something firm you know a bollard or whatever and just clicking the shutter as many times as he needed to to build up the correct exposure and the good thing with that is not only could you get the exposure that way, but also it, because you got different people in the pictures at different times, and it was still catching glimpses of people. So it made for this really interesting shot. And I wonder if, because you can do multiple exposures on your Instax, can't you? Uh, you can, but it's uh, a maximum of two, I think. And then the second time, it just spits it out whether you want it to or not. Really? Because I, I know some of the newer, not newer, the the new arrivals to the, um, Instax Film Club allow for up to nine, you know, nine or more, don't they, with the um, Leica and I think the Lomography one. Um, but uh, it's, it's just, is, are you sure it's just two on yours? I think so. I ha- I haven't uh, tested that to destruction. Uh, to be honest, I haven't needed to because even in the dark, one one ten second exposure seems to be enough. So that's uh, true. So, so I mean, if if I'd had a failure at ten seconds, I might have tried to use it. But to be honest, I haven't actually even tried to use it. Yeah, long exposure stuff is really good fun. I I I, I the limitations put on by the weather at this time of year, well, the weather and the light, it does mean you have to start thinking about stuff like that. And once you start thinking about, well, in ten seconds a lot can change you know the light can move you can do all sorts of things in 10 seconds you can you know move the camera you can move yourself you can do all sorts of stuff and uh, the creative possibilities really do open that up so it's quite a nice limitation to have really it is and that's actually i found it quite interesting because it was making me think in a different way so i was looking around as i always do as i'm walking along i was looking around for potential photographs uh, yeah, and bemoaning in my head, of course, the number of people these days who walk with their heads just buried in a telephone of some sort and uh, and not looking around them at all. Um, and uh, it made me realise, yeah, it did. It's exactly what you just said. It made me look uh, uh, around my, me in a different way. And it made me look for different opportunities. Yeah, I mean, not it was uh, not just that I needed somewhere to rest my camera, <laughs> although that was clearly an element of it. Uh, it was, but it was okay. Where might there be a shot that benefits from that sort of, you know, that glowy thing? You know, that that glowy look that you get from a long exposure. Mm. Uh, you know, because it does look, they do look different. You know, they even if you've got a rock solid tripod and you know the the latest and greatest and sharpest digital camera, you know, they uh, long exposures do look different. 
uh, you know, than, than an equivalent you know shot at a, at a short exposure, but let's say a high ISO or a or a um, a wide open aperture. Uh, I mean, yeah, forget about the de- the depth of field thing for a minute, but imagine just you know if you if you had a similar depth of field but from a much wider aperture, yeah, they they do look different because of the length of time that it takes to make the shot. And uh, yeah, it made me think about stuff, and it made me, in some ways, it made me less worried about stuff because I didn't have to worry about things that were moving. Although I was trying not to get like trucks and buses that were parked in traffic jams, you know, because <laughs> so, mm. uh, there was no guarantee that they'd move quickly enough. Uh, but yeah, as I say, when the in in the one shot when a fella walked past me, I was like, oh, he's been in that shot for a good three, four of the ten seconds, but he must have been moving laterally just enough, even though I, it felt like he was walking straight towards the lens. He must have been working walking just enough uh, at an angle to me that he didn't feature in it at all. Yeah, and also he may have just been darker than the background was. You know, if he was walking towards you and he was, and the background behind was lighter, then as soon as he's out of the shot, he's going to get wiped anyway. Erased from history. No, that's a good um, point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's probably true actually. I mean, you could. I, I I'm sure you've seen them. Um, Chris, who joined us a few episodes back, he's shared in the past some long exposure pictures he's taken at train stations, um, looking down on the people, and they can be great because you always get a mixture of, as you said, people who are standing still looking at their phones and people who are moving, and that could be quite a fun thing to try as well in a slightly better lit area. Um, I th- uh, I see he posted one something like that this week actually of a, a in a. Uh, a subway station in Tokyo I think if I remember rightly the, the train was all a blur and was moving but there was a person in the shot that was stood still and I just uh, and I was thinking to myself yeah he, he must not drink enough coffee because his <laughs> hands are nowhere near as shaky as they should be yeah yeah that's true that's either that or either that or he's he's carrying a tripod around the center of Tokyo with him every day which seems like hard work yeah, didn't didn't Chris also share this week? I mean, I know you couldn't do exactly this, but I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm nine times sure because it just stuck out because Chris shared a photo on Instagram, which Chris never does. Um, but he had this picture again taken at the um, or the what's the tube called in Japan? No, I don't know. Anyway, um, at the station there, and what he'd done was he'd framed up so that he was just focused on this um, picture of a woman in a sign, and it was. Um, slowly zooming in on this picture whilst all the people just walk up so there's a lot of movement from the people um, but the the sort of the central image stayed static and that that was very effective and again yeah, you could do something he, he did it was a time lapse wasn't it it was a slowly zoomed time lapse and there were lots of people going past it side to side really really quickly but he was focused on this uh, you know this sort of lit advertisement in 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 a railway station yeah that was mm. great as well well done chris not not just for posting two photos in a week but well done chris for posting good stuff yeah mostly well done chris for managing to post two photos in a week i mean you know it's, it's pretty good for him he this is, is he is the world's busiest man isn't he so yeah you know, that uh, is true that yeah. is true he might even come back to his forums one day it'd be lovely to see him we haven't seen him in months well yeah i Let's let, let, let's let's not throw Chris under the bus because he gives us a lot of help. So, <laughs> well, he lives in Japan. Let's throw him under the bullet train instead. Um, Fair enough. I, I think. I mean, I actually think that, that this time of the year is going to give you, in many ways, your most flexible creative options. Because in the summer, 
the, the camera can only really you know take the picture in nice light and you because you've got limited options with the shutter and stuff like that and aperture so at this time of view you really can play around and i think the same goes no matter what you're shooting at the moment it's um the diminished light is much more of an opportunity than it is a problem uh you, you do need to slow down a lot more and think about it but yeah, I'd no, agree I... with that, actually. I uh, I think that's a, a wise words there, mate. Wise words. So, yeah, I've been thinking about my project, too, this week. And um, that's kind of been enabled in two ways, really. I mean, these are the very basic starting blocks of me thinking about it. The first was that I went into my local town, Whitney, this week. And whilst I was in there wandering around, I thought, oh, what's it going to be like to walk around and see the world without my glasses? Um, and this made me aware. I, so I, I took my glasses off for a bit to walk around. And one there's a very high risk that I'm going to get run over and killed. <laughs> this, is, this is a high possibility. Um, and secondly, because I can't, I mean, I can see people coming towards me, but I can't make eye contact or anything like this. So I, it's going to be weird. I think people are going to be aware that I can't see because there's just that thing when people are not quite, you know, making contact with the world around them. Um, so that's one thing. I may road when I first start shooting. I may go somewhere less public than my local town, and I definitely won't go somewhere busy like Oxford because I will get hit by a bus. Um, the other thing I've learned this week because I've been thinking about the question of what camera to use, and I made a really interesting discovery. At least it's interesting to me, and I don't quite understand it. Um, if I look down through a twin lens reflex camera, say for example my Lubitel, which I pulled out to have a look at without my glasses on if i look down into that i'm not going to say ground glass because it's a lubitel <laughs> if i'm going to look down into that this, <laughs> and, uh, scratchy plastic <laughs> yeah i can see clearly uh, the image is clear for me to see through that so basically it's replacing my glasses but if i look through the viewfinder of an slr or obviously just the viewfinder camera but it doesn't I, everything's still as much of a blur as it would be if i was looking um without anything in front of me and i don't understand because my thinking was well with the twin lens reflex i'm looking at a mirror that's quite close so maybe that's why i can see that and it's in you know and the image is on the mirror and that's what i'm looking at but why doesn't that work with an slr because it's the same i i don't understand i don't understand the physics of how that's working but anyway that's what I've learned. So if I if I want to be able to see clearly when I I can use a twin lens reflex, um, and if I want it to be as blurred to me as possible, then an SLR. Um, I'm still no closer to deciding what I'm going to go with, but uh, at least I've got a bit more of a clue now. So that 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 sounds really odd to me. I do not know the answer to that at all. Well, hopefully, if somebody smarter than us, uh, of which there are many, many people, or at least there's many, many people smarter than me, um, can explain to me why I can see clearly when I look down through the viewfinder of a twin lens reflex, clearly when I look through the viewfinder of a single lens reflex, I would love to know what's going on with that. The physics of that eye stuff, that would be wonderful. Are you, um, you sure you just didn't you know, focus the Lubitel so that it, you know, it looked all right to you, but wasn't? okay really 
To, to be honest, any time where you can look down through the Lubitel viewfinder and see anything at all in focus or not, you're doing very well because that thing is a spectacular vignetting mess of a viewfinder at the best of times. So, um, yeah, don't know quite quite what's going on with that. Uh, but I wanted to come back to this um, project thing because I didn't like to mention it last week when we were talking about this originally, but. When you said about doing your Instax project, and I think you said at the time you had a couple of things on your mind, but you'd said to me in the past about some other ideas that you had that were perhaps a bit more challenging than your Instax project, and then they didn't come up last week. So what uh, you said you might want to actually fez up about that this week. What's on your mind? Yeah, it, it occurred to me when I was uh, going back over what we talked about last week that uh, I... I I had the opportunity to share one of my ideas and then I didn't have uh, the opportunity to share the other or others. Uh, and, and it cropped up in, in my thinking all through the week, actually. So the the uh, the photograph, the Instax photograph I was talking about a few minutes ago that I took at night that was under an archway in the middle of London. Uh, on, on Instagram, where I posted it on Instagram, that sparked somewhat of a conversation, actually. Uh, a conversation between uh, me and uh, Spencer, uh, a story of pieces, and uh, Jay, a theory of film. Uh, and it was about, uh, in fact, Spencer, I think, that asked me, how are you getting on with the camera um you know and how does it he also asked me how does it compare to my uh what do we call it now the, the fuji fuji epson max mm -hmm. uh, workflow where i shoot digitally and then print to instax using the instax printer and the answer is to be honest it doesn't hold up very well <laughs> <laughs> but on the bright side at least you're not chipping away a small piece of your soul the time you use it unlike your fuji 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 yeah. <laughs> Max. that's well, how you pronounce that word fuji yes well do you know what though um i'm happy as you know with you know uh, toy cameras crappy cameras whatever you want to call them i mean you know how much i love the whole girl and stuff like that and uh, yeah, you know, people say they are unpredictable, but you know what? Compared to a Fuji Instax camera, <laughs> they are uh, absolutely sound as a pound. You know, you oh, could, yeah. uh, that seems harsh. No, 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 no. So, so the the thing that's different about the uh, what do you call it? The uh, the unpredictability uh, of a Holger versus the un or, or or something similar versus the unpredictability of a uh, of my anyway my Fuji Instax camera is that at least with the Holger you know roughly what the exposure is going to be you know uh, and you can you can look at it and go yeah it's too dark or you look at it or say actually it's really really bright it's going to be super saturated but it's okay because film has got the headroom for it and stuff like that you can work with it you can work with the latitude of the film and you can work with it although maybe there might be light leaks or whatever or yeah uh, or flare uh, you know uh, sun flares in the shot that roughly speaking the exposure is going to be what you think it's going to be and two of the things that are those things that are really important for shooting with those toys camera toy cameras are completely missing from shooting with an instax camera and the first of it is that i have absolutely no idea what kind of exposure 
my Instax camera is going to make. I don't know when to press the lighter button. I don't know when to press the darker button. And, you know, it's really, really hit or miss. And I've tried and I tried to sort of do it in a not, you know, not in an, an overly scientific way, but I've tried to do it in a sort of robust way where you change one thing at a time and see what the effect is. And I still am at a complete loss of, of you know i can point it at something and i can think it's going to go overexposed and it then goes underexposed i have no idea why so that's number one right number two is that the instax film itself has zero latitude <laughs> right, so if you put and I, and I know there are some films that have absolutely legendary latitude in them i don't know like a a Tri-X, let's say, or mm. uh, or an HP5 or something like that. Or even on the colour side, your portrait, you know, the uh, you know, legendary latitude. Uh, the Instax has a dynamic range of about a third of a stop. <laughs> and that's not a third of a stop either way. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a third so of a terrible. stop. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's really, really hard, and I think you know, uh, Jay ended up pointing me to another photo that he he posted. I think it was Jay, anyway, uh, and uh, he said, "Oh no, I only use you know, only use mine in uh, it, it when it's really, really low contrasty light, uh, and then then yeah, the colours come out really nicely." But do you know what? I'm really struggling with it. I'm really struggling with it. So, th- so that's which, of course, is not an answer to your question, which is about: Am I going to do something more challenging? I've forgotten that that even was the question. <laughs> oh, well, I should have just rattled on then, shouldn't I? And like, you know, like that time I promised I'd do something and never did, which is pretty much every podcast. <laughs> uh, the age story. I'm going to definitely do this. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to definitely pretend until you forget about it. So the it's post-truth podcasting. So, <laughs> so the... The, the in my head there's been a couple of things this week one is that actually probably i've bitten off more than i can chew because i don't think i could i could don't think i could do a decent instax photo every day <laughs> for for a period of time um it's beyond my ability um and then the other thing was is yeah you said it's not very challenging is it and you know what and you know i was thinking that myself and thinking you know i've 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 professed to be doing this stuff for a while now um you know i've been well over a year 15 16 months however long, however long it is that i i've been shooting photographs around my commute to london and back and uh it doesn't seem to me to be particularly challenging for uh, a, a project and yeah you mentioned portraits and and i I love shooting portraits and I need to get back to shooting portraits. So I'm going to um, hit the reset button, I think, from last week. And I'm going to take another thought on it uh, about portraits and how I conceive of a portrait project. I still might create a, a, a wall of instaxes mm. I, because I, I think it'd be, I'm really intrigued by, the, by seeing it evolve I think it's. A, I do think it's a good idea, and I think it's definitely something you should pursue. And I, I do wonder from what you're telling me. I mean, that the problems that you might be running into with it, only uh, just the latitude of the film is, you know, the zero. But 
it, from what you're saying, from what Jay told you about, oh, it works really well with low contrast stuff, it is smashing up against the fact that you love super contrasty stuff. And maybe you you need to adjust what you're looking for and the stuff to get the best out of this. Because um, I was trying to think whilst you were talking about accounts that we follow that do really good stuff with Instax. And compared to the amount of stuff you see shot on Impossible, there are, I, I can only think of one actual person apart from yourself who I see sharing stuff regularly shot on the Instax, and that's Matt Toynbee, who we talked about last week. And his stuff's great, but um, I think it is a more challenging medium uh, to get stuff that's creatively interesting. But, yeah, maybe you just need to refocus how you are approaching that one particular medium. But, um, but yeah, anyway, that aside... What's going to be your new focus then, your, your portraits? I think it's going to be something around portraits. I'll, I'll say right now, I haven't quite decided yet. Um, I have a couple of ideas uh, and some are scarier than others uh, and will push me. And uh, the, the, so there's an element of, of me thinking this is a great opportunity to push myself, you know, to do stuff that I'm not so comfortable with in, in photography terms. And that doesn't mean I'm going to start taking all my clothes off and get people to take photos of me, just just, <laughs> just to be clear on that. And it no, doesn't that mean, is scary, though. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to start asking the people I take photos of to take their clothes off either. Um <laughs> But uh, it's it, I, I I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking some stuff through. Um, uh, one of the ideas is is to try and create uh, a, a way of uh, taking photos of of strangers or people I've only just been introduced to because I know one of my comfort zones is that uh, I tend to take photos of people I know very well, mm-hmm. and to to challenge myself to take photos that give some insight into some people that i don't know actually seems to me to be a worthy topic uh but it's also one that scares the crap out of me quite frankly (laughs) so So, uh, you you were saying you've been thinking about this this week so put some more flesh on the bones with that well Um, i I, I think it's a great idea but where how do you envisage being in a position with people to make their portraits when and how so I, I i i'm thinking in terms of risk mitigation here which is risk that i might just get too damn scared and one idea <laughs> that i'm playing with is is actually um i i'm lifting from a radio program so on radio four uh, that's bbc radio four uh for non-uk listeners uh there is sometimes a series called chain reaction and uh-huh. it's a series of interviews. So think, think it's a half-hour radio program, which is an interview between two people. Uh, and the the interviewer conducts an interview. Uh, <laughs> as they are wont to do. Uh, well, all right. All right. Okay. As Dave would say, let's edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> uh, the the interviewer uh, is only in uh, is in the first episode, and then the interviewee becomes the interviewer for the next episode and invites somebody that they would like to interview. And and so it goes on. It's called Chain Reaction. So the, you, know, you get to, uh, if, you're, if you participate, you get to be in two shows. The first time you're an interviewee, and then it's your turn to be the interviewer, and then go on. And I thought, actually, you know, you could do a Chain Reaction portrait project, which mm-hmm. would be I would start off with somebody that I know, um, and let's say that's you, for example, and then mm-hmm. you would introduce, and I would take a portrait of you. But rather, rather than you then take a portrait of somebody else, because yeah, because uh, that wouldn't be a project about me then or for me then, uh, that, or that mm-hmm. I would be involved in, you would introduce me to somebody that I, 
I didn't know. And I would contrive to take a photograph of them somehow. I think this is a great idea. And you know what's even better about this idea, Aid? It's because obviously we are, you know, in the example you just gave, um, you know, of like, oh, you take a picture of me. That's a that's a geographically difficult thing because I'm not in the same place. But I know somebody who is in the same geography as you, who is also a photographer and will probably know people to point you towards, Mr. Rob Hawthorne, who coincidentally we are hopefully going to have joining us next week so and rob has expressed interest about taking pictures well actually he said of us in the past but that sounds like a terrible idea um i don't know <laughs> i quite like I, I i quite like having my photo taken actually which i know I'm, is sometimes unusual for a photographer to say that but i actually quite enjoy having my photo taken well i've not had my photo taken by anybody as skilled as rob is so that could be a novelty but um i resent we'll that to- well, uh, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have lovely pictures. You no, I may be now. laughing, but I do actually resent it. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is that you've grabbed a couple of snapshots. No, of this you, is whereas... the beginning of the end, right? This is what episode twenty four now, <laughs> and well, finally, this, this finally, one. that bit where you, that bit where you do that, yeah, you talk to the guests, yeah, that is that, <laughs> yeah, where you get to the point where you insult them, and I have to butt in. Right? <laughs> Finally, after 24 episodes, you've done that to me. Now I know how it feels to be a guest on this show. Yeah, it's, this is why every guest apart from Dave has only ever been on once. Um, but you know what I mean. Rob is, is going out and making portraits of people, their posed portraits and stuff like that, which whilst I know that you absolutely do do that, you have not done so of me. They've always been uh, snapshots of me when we've been out and about having adventures. Yeah, um, fair enough. So so I definitely think something we will have to pick up next week when hopefully Rob is with us but uh, no I think that's a really good idea I think um, because as you said it does mitigate that problem of finding subjects um, which does seem like the hardest thing to do and I think as part of what we were talking about with the benefit of taking on a project and about part of that being practice getting into the habit of meeting somebody for the first time and having to build up a relationship quickly and that's quite a difficult skill to develop and if you can get something like that out of this project that would be fantastic there's um a program which i've been watching uh recently it may have finished now but um sinead saved it all for me on her television machine um called the masters of photography on sky arts have you seen this at all aid uh i don't have sky tv sorry no, no, that's fine. Well, neither do I, but Sinead does. What this program is, it's a, as so many of these things are, it's a reality competition. A bit like, imagine the Bake Off, um, but with uh, photographers instead of cake makers. And um, it started off with so many. And every week they have a different challenge that they need to go out and shoot for. Um, and they get judged and they've had some, um, they've got very good photographers there who are judging and they've also had special guests in every week to come and offer advice and stuff. And, and there's been various different topics, but there've been a couple of them, one where they were shooting, um, traits, and one where they were having to, um, shoot a celebrity who they, you know, just been put in front of like, okay, you've got half an hour, go and take pictures of this celebrity. It was, um, oh God. Michael Madsen. Oh, yeah, well, the, the Hollywood actor. Yes. Um, so, and they all got, I, said, I can't remember how long, but say half an hour, maybe it was longer than that, with, with him to take, you know, and they had to make photos of him. And 
and get the best out of them that they could in that time. And then these photos are judged and what have you. And it was just, it's very interesting seeing this fairly diverse group of photographers from different backgrounds, most of them not professional photographers. I think there are a couple of guys who are um, journalists who are within it. So they obviously have got more experience with this sort of thing. But um, seeing how hard it is to make a connection like that quickly, and some of them clearly much better at it than others. But uh, I think that would be a really really good thing to work at and your way of doing it of that sort of chain reaction way sounds like a really great way of making it slightly easier while still being quite a, a tricky challenging project yeah i mean i think it's 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 one of the uh, it's it's an idea i i'm desperately hunting around for other ideas <laughs> but it's uh it certainly would it'd be something i would find very very challenging indeed i think i, th I think it's like a lot of these things i think it, it would be you know, really scary to start with and then it would get easier and that's the whole point i think mm. you know um but i certainly feel that i you know uh, this year i i I've been lazy with my photography in the last year or so. The you know previous years, I've pushed myself harder, and and you know, uh, and, and quite frankly, I've learned more and achieved more when I've pushed myself harder. So, uh, I see this as an opportunity. This this longer term project we're talking about uh, to mm. do something that that actually helps me improve my photography. Yeah, it's. I think both of us this year. There there is that difference between shooting. A lot of pictures and shooting good pictures with a purpose and I, I certainly feel this year I've shot more photos than I did last year um, but I don't think that there have been they're any better than last year they're just perhaps more of them um, I mean you know uh, practice only really works when it's um, constructive practice when you're actually working towards something just doing something repeatedly isn't necessarily practice because you can still be doing it badly over and over again so um, yeah uh, that that sounds good to me Aid. I definitely think that that needs to be a, a thing you do oh hmm. okay well I shall pretend to do that for some while until you forget about it as I do with most things and uh, then I'll think up something else or maybe <laughs> just this once I'll actually do it who knows well, we'll get the internet to nag you about it. Oh, I'll look forward to that. I'll look forward to that. Okay. All right. So we are going to have uh, a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something entirely frivolous. It's November. We've put away Halloween... I suppose if if you're an American listener, we're heading towards Thanksgiving. Uh, more importantly, it's almost Black Friday. Is that the right day or is it Cyber Monday or something like that? Anyway, if you were going to compile a list of potential presents for the festive season, whichever festival you happen to be celebrating... Uh, now is the time to do it so it's a little bit early uh, it's a little bit antisocial and uh, it's a little bit me 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 but hey um, me 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 I want I want I want and we've got a little bit of a list here but Graham jumped the gum and, gum yes <laughs> Graham jumped the gun a little bit uh, and has already bought himself a new present uh, I believe you've just taken delivery Graham of an LED light 
Yeah, I did. Well, you know, the, the best gift you can receive is the one you get for yourself because, yeah, you know, you're the only one that's ever going to get it right. And I was on Amazon. I can't remember what I was on Amazon looking for. It definitely wasn't anything photography related. But you have to browse whilst you're there. And I found this um, cheap LED light. Now, we, we'd been talking about lighting very recently. And you've been inspiring me to do more stuff with lighting. And I found this light. The light is Niwa CN-160. Um, and it's pretty basic, it's just an LED panel that pumps out some light. Um, but it was under £30. And so I thought, well, why not? Because I just need something to throw out more light. And uh, particularly for my film photography, and I was thinking especially of when I try and take more pictures with Ronald, a constant light source is a lot more use to me than a flash because I'm really bad at seeing how that's going to work out. So, um, yeah, I treated myself um, and I kind of need your expert uh, eye on this when we next meet up because I don't really know if it's any good or not because it just seems like a fairly strong light source to me and that's about it. But it seems pretty good. 30 pounds. Oh, it sounds like a bargain to me. And do you know what? There's a lot of talk and there's a lot of specification and uh, it's a bit like, uh, in some ways, it's a bit, a bit like the, the difference in the megapixels of your digital camera or the, the burst rate of, of, of your new DSLR. Uh, the it depends on what you're going to use it for. I mean, last time we talked on the podcast about this, I said, you know, get some of those workman's lights or, or pick a mm. torch out of the cupboard and get started with that. Uh, and I think I also said something along the lines of those sorts of lights. Uh, when it comes to black and white photography, you absolutely cannot go wrong. Um, the the When it gets to colour photography, you have to think about this thing called... CRI or color rendering index. I think the R is rendering. Um, that's quite techy and quite scientific, but you know what? £30 for an LED light sounds like an absolute bargain. I kind of wish that I had one. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and you know, uh, the other thing is, of course, is that LED lights are improving in technology vastly, very, very quickly, all the time. And uh, they're also coming down in price uh, a lot. Uh, and so, do you know what? Uh, I suspect you've got yourself a, a little gem there and certainly is in the category of your sort of stocking filler price in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I mean, actually, now you said it, it reminds me that that's why I, I, looking at those builders lights and it kind of I'd been thinking, oh, maybe I ought to get one of those. And they were about the same price as this was. And I can actually tell you, I've just grabbed the hence the clattering around um, the color temperature of this. It means uh, close to bugger all to me, but um the color temperature is uh, 56,000K to 32,000K. So, you know, that that's what it is. Um, but it also comes with a couple of diffusers. It's got a, a opaque diffuser and an orange diffuser and a nice little wallet there. And, you know, it's the main advantage of it over the builder's lights, apart from the fact that I'm sure it's a more even spell of light, is that it's got a um, shoe on it, so I can put it on the, the flash mount on the camera, although that's the one downside with it as well. It's quite a cheap, plasticky shoe, so I have to be a bit careful with it. it on the upside, it does 
use double a batteries um you can buy other batteries for it as well there's a variety of different ones you can use with it um but it can just be used with ordinary double a batteries which makes it really convenient for somebody like me who's never organized enough to get a different kind of battery but yeah that's quite a good little um if you want a, a nice easy to use light that's definitely a good one to get on your christmas list yeah, I think that's a great, a, a great start. I think everybody should have one of those and everybody should carry one around, especially the film photographers uh, who you rely, who don't necessarily have the ability to, uh, you know, meter light and things like that. You know, if, if you've got, uh, or meter for flash, I should say, but if, you, if you've got even a, even a simple match needle meter or, or something like that in a film camera, a constant light is going to be your friend because you can match the needles and away you go. And, of course, you can see what it's going to do, whereas with a flash you have in some ways no idea what's going to happen so okay cool that is uh, a fantastic first thing on the list uh, i got one now uh, i'm going to say uh, because i know that mine is on its way uh, instax monochrome oh you've actually ordered some and got some coming uh, i ordered it a week or so ago on a pre-order and uh, i got an email Yesterday or today, I did tweet about this, uh, as, uh, but it's uh, yes, either yesterday or today, I got an email saying it should be with me, I think, by the end of next week. So I, I reckon, right, so this is this is a prediction here, and, and I'm not very good at predictions, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I predict that this film is going to make my Instax camera make sense. Yeah. I think... Uh, it's just going to taking away the the difficulty with color is going to remove some of the issues around exposure and to focus on something that is you know somewhat more more graphical in nature uh, because the film the color film doesn't have a great dynamic range as we were talking about a moment ago and I think you know in using black and white uh, is probably going to be. I, I've got a feeling that I could do some fairly minimalistic, fairly graphical images with it in a way that doesn't make so much sense with the color. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And also, because people might be listening to this thinking, well, what Instax is a Christmas present? That doesn't make much sense. And I want to defend this suggestion because last Christmas, um, I, I gave got... you my heart, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the very, very next, next day. <laughs> Yeah, they threw it away. Bloody worthless. Um, but no, last Christmas, I got um, from my partner, I got two packs of uh, colour pack film for my um, Polaroid camera. And for my mum, I got two packs of the black and white FP3000B because they fall into the category of um, stuff that's just a bit too expensive for me to justify buying for myself really on the regular. And so if there are films that you really like to shoot maybe some really nice slide film or um some instax or some impossible project film that is a bit expensive for you to use often why not just ask for some for christmas that seems like a really good idea to me it's what i did last year and um was very glad to get some because I, I love film. I, it's tragic. I love cameras. We all know this. I have too many cameras. And I certainly don't have a, as much film as somebody like Eric does because Eric's been sharing some photos on Instagram this week which clearly show he has a problem with um, an addiction to just acquiring film. But there's something about getting it. I talked to you about this fairly recently, Aid. You get film and it, it is... 
it's this little package of potential. You know, those that cart in the film, that pack of insects, that could be anything. That could be a masterpiece. You just don't know yet. And uh, I'm never disappointed with film. Even when I buy it for myself, there's just always that little frisson of, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. One day I'm going to shoot this and this is going to be, well, subpar in my case. But um, <laughs> so I think the idea of some nice treat film for Christmas is a really good one. Yeah, well, I, I do too. And of course, being so very new, uh, the Instax monochrome is, is is a bit of a treat in itself because you can't really get it yet, at least not in the UK. I, you know, seen on, on Instagram and on Twitter as well that there are a few packs starting to to arrive now in, in America, in the UK, but there's not many people posting about it just yet or posting any any usage usage of it just yet. So, so where's yours coming from? Uh, <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. So, uh, but I ha- I put it on pre-order. It's actually shipped a little bit sooner than I thought. I wasn't expecting it to come quite so soon. I thought it might be, you know, a, a month or two or something like that. But uh, it-, it turns out that they they must have received some. Uh, and yeah, it's great. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's it's yeah yeah treat film maybe something that's slightly unusual and i'd probably put instax monochrome in the slightly unusual category uh, at mm. this point in time i'd love to think that in two years or time we'd be two years or so we'd be laughing at ourselves for saying that and that instax monochrome is all over the place in wide sizes and square sizes and you know mini sizes uh we'll just have to see i hope i guess and, and hope for the best but yeah. I think, yeah. And the other thing is, I'd say that it links into the next thing that I'd like to talk about on the list is that um, uh, I think we collect a lot of stuff. Yeah, as we photographers. do. It's great. It is great. <laughs> it is my, great. my partner, my partner said to me uh, last week, in total seriousness, said that oh, when when we live together. Do you think you'll get rid of some of your cameras? I just looked at her and went, <laughs> "What?" Um, but uh, yeah, I think she's slightly concerned about the. the well, amount you've got of to cameras. remember, mate. She sees you as a bit of a project. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's, it's no reflection on you. It's just yeah, that's the way the world is. <laughs> like, I was a project once. <laughs> like, I probably still am, to be fair. <laughs> I, I, it's a, a a thing that we collect. Lots of stuff. So I have. Uh, I collect bits of metal, so like light stands, and I don't really do much in the way of tripods, but, you know, I've got brackets and things like that, all in the lighting uh, arena. Uh, I don't collect so many cameras as you do, although I've sort of, you know, o- over time they do sort of increase in number, but I don't actively collect cameras in quite the way that you do. But, you know, we, we accrue a large amount of kit uh, in the name of our hobby and that's a fun thing and it's a great thing but you know what there is an other there is another side to this as well which is the experience so i got two things on the list next um uh, and i'll say them I'll, I'll blurt them out both um first is a train ticket and second mm-hmm. is a workshop yeah, those are both excellent suggestions so you 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 were talking earlier about going to London tomorrow, and, yeah. And uh, you know that for you, as I because I know where you live and I know where London is. That for you will be it will involve purchase of a train ticket at some point <laughs> in the day, yeah. maybe maybe several. But the the point is is that you know I think that 
it's not just about stuff it's about experience and uh, so 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 film is stuff but film is a consumable so you've got sort of stuff stuff like asset stuff then you've got consumable stuff but then you can go to the other end and it's a, you know, an experience and if you're going to spend money or or ask for a present maybe it's a a, a an experience type thing maybe it's a, a train ticket to somewhere or, or or even something as simple as can i have a weekend away from the kids please <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah uh can i have some time you know yeah i'm prepared to buy my own train ticket <laughs> but please may i have a weekend off you know, or or maybe it's a workshop and you know i in over the years i've been on two or three workshops and you know just for a day here and a day there and they've been fantastic it's really good to get out meet other people you know learn some new things even if it's stuff where you 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 sort of okay the first half of the day i i kind of knew that stuff already it's a different angle into something that you already know and you get to talk to other people about it you get a bit of practice and stuff like that or maybe it's an exploratory thing and you know it's a train ticket so i've always wanted to go to x you know where uh where were we talking about we were talking about autumn colors uh, a couple of weeks ago and i'm very lucky because i have a fantastic garden not so far from me which the colors are amazing dave was talking about going to an arboretum you know every, everybody's got somewhere but you know sometimes those places are expensive to get into sometimes they're a bit far away you know that's a, a worthy present i think I think it's a really original present as well. I think, um, I mean, admittedly, you have to make sure you pitch it in the right way because if somebody opens their Christmas present there, oh, it's a one-way ticket to Sodoffsville. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Um, but I, I think you're absolutely... Uh, the concept of, oh, you know, why don't you just go and do something for yourself um, is a really nice idea. And this is a conversation I've had with uh, my partner on many occasions. But actually by getting somebody a train ticket or something go no look seriously go and do this thing for yourself go and have this time and and go and do something i think it's a really nice and in, interesting um way of doing something it's, it's different I, I really like that and certainly with the workshops idea as well I've looked into this a few times. This is something that's sort of been talked about for birthdays and Christmas a few times in the past. And there's just, um, there's never been anything which has been at the right time or the right place or that's really grabbed me. Um, I would actually really like to know because there's a distinct dearth of film photography or dark room or stuff like that workshops in this country at the moment, it feels like. And so if anybody knows of some good courses, not actually not just here, but in the States or wherever that you'd like to let us know that so we can share with other people, please do, because I think that's a great idea going and, learning a new skill dave did a darkroom course last year i think or maybe the year before and he speaks very highly of it i think it can be great fun and it's a really nice thing to do experiences are often far more valuable than more stuff absolutely uh, certainly i think they have greater potential to improve your photography so there you go so there's some experiences stuff right now back to toys <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well okay so no no let, let, let's before we get back to 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 a toy uh let's go through let's take a tour through learning um i'm a great fan of coffee table books and yeah you can get some amazing images which give you amazing inspiration 
and you know it does it yeah, all, through all sorts of things you know sometimes it's about sort of topical photography i've got a great book uh, by glenn e friedman which i may have mentioned before on the podcast uh, which is full of photographs of uh, the California skateboarding scene of the late 70s and the New York punk scene of the late 70s and early 80s. So you've got like pictures of a very young Tony Hawk skating in somebody's drained swimming pool uh, next door to early pictures of Public Enemy and Henry Rollins. You know, it, it's, awesome. it, it's fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, that's just one example. Um, there are many, many other examples of uh, photo books that give you inspiration. And it could be landscapes, could be portraits, could be whatever. Um, and I, I think, you know, in terms of no, maybe not improving your photography because you, you have to kind of own that and do it yourself. But in terms of inspiring you to do more and inspiring you to push yourself, I think photo books are a fantastic present. Yeah, I've I think the last few years I've quite often got photo books. Got a great one last year, um, a street photography photo book, um, which is fantastic. I know I've had. Also, it's quite nice sometimes you get quite random ones, which are things that I would never have looked at. I got the um, ah uh, the astronomy um, photographer of the year. Does that sound like a thing? It certainly does. Um, that was really good because it's not the kind of photographer I normally look into, but it's a really, really amazing images, just stunning. The you know way way beyond my capacity for even understanding half of them. And I got a book on um, snowflake photography as well one year. And uh, yeah, just again, just oh wow, this is a, a a window into a world that I wasn't aware of. Um, you can never be disappointed with a photo book because they're, they're always inspirational, even if it's not work you want to emulate or draw from yourself. Just to see that other people's creative process is always a fantastic thing. I agree. But I, I'll just, just mention one thing, though, is that actually you don't want to be too specific if you ask for somebody, yeah, if you're compiling a, a wish list, you don't really want to be too specific uh on this in this area particularly because i think it's 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 the outside influence that is more powerful perhaps mm. you know it's somebody buying you something unexpected you know if you say i want you know x photo book and it's in my amazon wish list and all you've got to do is go and click through and buy it i mean okay that's great you'll get what you want but you won't necessarily get something that is going to give you that, you know, that zing out of nowhere from left field, you know, that really gives you an idea that you can then sort of develop into something and learn something. That's true. Although that said, I, I have asked, and I'm pretty sure I'm definitely going to get the um, book released this year by Paddy Summerfield. Um, so that photo book's already in my stocking. I know that that's going to come. So I'm very excited about that because uh, I got his. That was the um, show you and I went to see. Well, you and my partner went to see at Oxford. Do you remember the Paddy Summerfield show we saw, Aid? I do. Mother yeah, there's quite a, quite a moving show about his parents. Yes. So I got that photo book for Christmas that year, which I love. Uh, it's an incredible book it's called mother and father and um it's one i recommend anybody looks out because it's it's unique out of the photo books that i've seen in that an individual image taken out of context it doesn't look anything particularly the you know the, these photos are often taken at a distance and you know look up the photos to get an idea but the work as a whole builds up such 
a bow wave of pressure behind it. It's very moving. And I showed it to my mum that Christmas um, with no particular context. And she was just leafing through it and leafing through it, leafing through it, got to the end and just burst into tears. Um, it, it's incredible. So he's got a new book out this year. Um, I can't remember what it's exactly called, but it's his photographs that he was taking in Oxford in the um, late 60s and 70s uh, when he was living there. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that if I'm lucky enough to get it for Christmas, which I know that I am. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I, I from, from having seen the the work that you just mentioned, I mean it, it's phenomenal stuff. So okay, so there's so what have we done? We've covered equipment, we've covered experience, uh, we've covered learning. Uh, let's circle back round for toys, right? So I I have a toy. Um, in fact, I actually already have one of these anyway. So it, it's not something that's on my Christmas list, but I would recommend it for other people, and that is an Instax printer. Right. so <laughs> i know i know printer. i'm gonna get a load of stick for it blah 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 you know let it all come but do you know what uh i love it my kids love it family love it. everybody loves getting an instax in their hand and you can shoot a picture on your phone you can shoot a picture on any digital camera you could shoot an instax camera of course um and, and shoot you know sort of you know, direct to the film uh, but the the printer is is a it really brings people together around photographs, and that you, you think about um, I don't know think about showing somebody a photo on Facebook uh, or or Instagram or whatever uh, you know, on a phone or or and stuff like that you know, it, it people are interested but they see thousands and thousands of photos like that. You know, but a real physical print that you could do on the spot, you know, it's it's not it's not instant. Obviously, it takes a good couple of minutes to develop. But, you know, you can shoot with uh, if you have a Fuji camera. I mean, I, I know you do. I do as well. My one can shoot directly from the camera. You can print directly to the printer out of the camera. Um, others, you know, you might need to pass it through a, a phone first or, a, or an iPad or something like that. Um, but I, I think it's huge, huge fun. And and you know more than one person can use it and it's just uh, a really really good fun thing and it brings fun into photography and that's why i'm putting it on the list no no i think well you know i i'm not gonna be rushing out to get on this because uh, um i uh i struggle enough with getting prints done at the best of times but um no i can absolutely see that and for film photographers it's still just as valid all of our prints are ending up digitized at some point um and so it makes just as much sense to have an easy route to getting your film photographs printed as it does to have getting your digital pictures printed. And unless you've got a darkroom set up, then this is a great alternative. And it's a really nice low impact alternative as well. It means that you can just fun prints done and um, you know, I'm perfect for you know all of us shooting toy cameras and stuff like that blown up into being great big prints because they just won't cope with that particularly well um this is a fantastic choice for that okay cool right so over to your part of the list you've got some stuff that is uh really arty stuff actually so the first one we're going to talk about is uh an etsy shop called driftwood pinhole yeah i'm, I'm quite pleased i've got uh these i've got three things they are all things that I have been, uh, I've discovered through Instagram. 
which is unsurprising given my love of Instagram. And uh, quite co- coincidentally, broken down by cost. So um, starting with the more expensive thing, um, Driftwood Pinhole. These are beautiful. I mean, the name says it all, really. Beautiful pinhole cameras um, made by a guy named Sergei Lebedev. Uh, apologies if that's horribly butchered. Um, I'm going to say his Instagram name. I'm going to spell it out. At L-E-6-E-D-E-V underscore on Instagram. And you'll actually see um, pictures that he's taking with his pinhole cameras as well as sometimes pictures of his cameras. Um, every camera he makes is a unique piece of art. Um, and they really are. They're, they're beautiful things. They are made of, you know, driftwood and whatever he's finding around um it's it's really hard to describe them because they are all distinct and different pieces um but they're really lovely and certainly the pictures that he's sharing on instagram <laughs> they seem to be very good quality as well um they've got great pre you know well properly drilled pinholes in them um and i think these would make a lot because it, even if they never get around to shooting them, I would quite happily have one sitting on my um, mantelpiece for, for all the time. Um, they so certainly, yeah, they I, certainly are beautiful. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah, certainly beautiful cameras. Uh, they're sort of like what you imagine an undo looks like before it gets polished. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Some of them are. I mean, and that's the other thing. You know, undo um, undo pinhole cameras. I know now got some stock just sitting there of, of their main camera model so that's another one worth looking at um and the reality so subtle pinhole whilst we're promoting pinholes um which is a very popular a lot of the people we follow like um cory cannon and throughout monster um there are other choices as well but um I, I love Sergei's pinholes just purely from the aesthetic point of view as much as anything else. These are really beautiful handcrafted cameras. And even if you're not in the market for buying one, go to his Etsy store. We'll have the links in the show notes, he says. Thanks, Bill. Um, and they're just worth looking at because they are works of art in their own right. Uh, so that's the first one. That is the first one. Yes, absolutely. So if, if they, these are in descending order of cost, uh, I believe you said. So the next one is Kimmy Camera. Yep. Um, at Kimmy Camera Shop on Instagram or KimmyCamera.com. Um, Kimmy Camera, the name comes from Kimono because what they are doing, um, they make handcrafted camera straps out of kimono silk and leather. And again, these are all one-off things you know they're they're all oh well, i say one off. i suppose you can maybe get more than one from each piece of silk but there aren't very many of each one they are really beautiful camera straps um the patterns and the colors are just lovely uh, i'm sat here because we were talking about it earlier and you, you and i were still baffling over it during the break about uh, my eyesight with the lubitel my lubitel um quality camera that it is has the most garbage strap on it I have ever seen. It's this hard leather thin strap. It's just an absolute piece of junk. Um, uh, this camera could be made 100% better by the application of a new strap. Um, or the application of a hammer. Well, you may have a point there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and these, these Kimmy camera straps are lovely. Um, I did speak to Bill at Kimmy camera shop. 
And he was saying that they've got, because the straps on there are all quite wide straps at the moment. They have got a new line coming of pure wool tweed thin straps, which sound very nice, coming very soon. Um, and I also did ask him, because I think these are a really nice gift idea, actually. Um, they're, they're not cheap camera straps, but I think they're about £49, somewhere around that for a lot of them. Um, but they are very beautiful things. Um, last shipping date, 12th of December I got that useful information and he's going to be running a promotional code which I think if my memory serves me correctly was 20% off and that's going from November the 14th to the 25th um, and the um, code for that I think is silk too but I, I could be wrong with that it'll be it'll be in the show notes I'll make sure it's right in there uh, but keep an eye at the at Kimmy camera shop Instagram feed and he'll be promoting it when it comes around um but yeah really really lovely camera straps so if you want something a bit special that you wouldn't necessarily buy for yourself these are really nice straps um very attractive things so well okay. worth a look out great stuff and and last but certainly not least uh can we call him a friend of the show now mike padua uh, mike is a friend of everybody i don't i cannot imagine anybody who mike is not a friend of um but uh, uh, yes definitely a friend of the show and hopefully a future guest of the show as well I'm going to try and get him on here um because if you haven't already visited shootfilmco.com to see what mike's selling um you're missing out because he's got a great selection of little photography stocking fillers from um pins and lapel badges and patches and stickers and of course most recently his photo memo book which is a must-have i think that is probably the ultimate stocking filler for photographers uh film digital or otherwise this christmas um he's apparently got some more stuff on the way soon so watch this space um but yeah mike's stuff is great it's a just a perfect place to go and find just something small for that photographer in your life um he doesn't have a lot of christmas themed stuff there's a lot of halloween film theme themed stuff um but not so much christmas themed stuff but you, you never know what's going to appear next with mike so um watch that space i guess um <laughs> so yeah definitely worth checking out Sounds good. Okay. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's an interesting time of year for acquiring new stuff. Uh, yeah, it's even yeah. We said it seems only a, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about photo kino. It's maybe a bit big some of that stuff for, uh, or maybe a bit expensive for uh, some of uh, the stocking filler type things we're thinking of. But yeah, we are heading into midwinter and uh, all of the things and all the festivities that that brings. been a lot of activity on our Flickr group this week so I thought what we do as part of the shout outs is just have a quick trundle through it and uh, mention a few of the people who have posted and thank you before we start thank you to everybody uh, especially the cryptically named well not especially but firstly the cryptically named Derek Von Evil. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. Yeah, it's a great name. So he has sent us a shot. It uh, looks like a very blurry street photograph. And actually, he's tagged it for being an entrant to the Cheap Shots Challenge, which is interesting in itself. Uh, 
his Flickr profile says that he is, I think, if I if I read the initials correctly, from uh, Virginia in the USA. And he sent us a street scene which looks like it has carved statues of bears with people milling around them, but in the middle of the streets with some traffic lights in the background. Um, good to know you, Derek. Um, curious to know if that's your real name. If it is, good on you. <laughs> it's almost right. It's right up there with Alice Cooper. Good to know you, Derek. Thank you for posting in our Cheap Shots Challenge into the Flickr stream. Uh, fantastic uh, to have another person taking part. Right, next one as we go back through this. So Alex Ward has posted a photo. Looks like he's trying to scare his daughter. She has a, a quite relaxed, quite a sort of beatific face, uh, but he's sort of trying to pounce behind her. Uh, so <laughs> interesting. Uh, it would be one of those ones where it's interesting to see a stream of photos and see what happened at the end of it. Right, okay, so then we have to scroll through uh, a number of my firework night photos and then we get to Mr. Bill Owens, uh, our glorious show notes scribe. Um, I'm really not quite sure what this is that he's posted a photo of. It looks like it's a sort of sculpture as part of a building, sort of architecture come sculpture thing. Uh, a, a large stone ball atop a, a something or other. Uh, be curious to know what that is. Um, but it's right next to a photo from Maddie, Bill's daughter. Uh, actually, no, let's, I'm going to stop referring to Maddie as Bill's daughter. I'm going to start referring to Bill as Maddie's dad, actually. <laughs> that's I think that's de definitely that. the way around to do it. Uh, Maddie has shared with us this week, uh, alongside a lot of her other Cheap Shots Challenge entries, a picture of, I believe, a turkey uh, called Olaf. <laughs> The that thing that I like most about all of these is how the, the um, as we said last week, that they visited this farm sanctuary where these animals have been rescued near this turkey called Olaf. I mean, knowing how many hundreds of thousands of turkeys are slaughtered in America for this one turkey, Olaf, that is one lucky turkey to have escaped the kind. So. <laughs> He is indeed. Okay, right, moving on next. Next one is actually, well, there's a few, uh, from Spencer Beater, otherwise known as A Story of Pieces. Uh, he's got two or three different styles, actually, across about four photos he's posted. Uh, one is a, a, a nighttime shot of a petrol station, or should I call it a gas station, and uh, showing a, a sort of a, a pitch black surround, but the, the orange and yellow glow of a, a shell gas station uh in the center of the frame uh you know uh, reminds me of some of those iconic 1950s and 60s shots uh yeah that came out of america uh he's also got some landscapes he's clearly been somewhere with lots of big blue skies and grasslands recently and then there's one which i just find fascinating which i think was one of his holger week shots um and I never know what this building is called, but there's a there's a building in San Francisco that is it's a skyscraper, but it's sort of triangle shaped. And I know it's been there, at least I think I know it's been there since the late 60s or the early 70s. But he's managed to do that as a double exposure. So he's got uh, a, a long distance from from a distance away, a photo of the whole skyscraper that, that really only sits in the bottom half of the frame. But as the other part of the double exposure, he's got some texture of stonework. It doesn't say whether it's the same building, uh, but, you know, fantastic shot and a really good use of the double exposure. Next, uh, we have Alex Purcell, who 
Not sure whether this is a cheap shots challenge shot, uh, but it says it's shot with a Zorky 4 and a Jupiter 8 on HP5 push to 1600. This sounds like your kind of territory, Graham, rather than mine. Yeah, Alex has been shooting a lot of stuff lately. I think he's just discovered um, the joys of using live at ISO 16, and he's getting some cracking results out of it. Good stuff. Good stuff, indeed. And then uh, last but not least, uh, we have our friend London Camera, uh, who, uh, that, that's the Flickr name. Uh, remind me what his Instagram name is. Uh, it's at London Camera Project. You uh, down with LCP? Yeah, you know me. I put it on his Instagram feed earlier. He did not approve, but um, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, making friends and influencing people again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you, uh, London Camera. I don't think we know his actual name, do we? I, you know, I, I saw it. I think it might be Robert, but I'm probably wrong. But uh, anyway, I will definitely make more effort to find out but he's great anyway everyone should follow london camera project well do you know if he's from london we can call him mate can't we so mate tell us <laughs> london camera mate tell us your real name so we can we can give you full creds but he's but cool. he's taken a uh some photos of some uh, possibly six by four prints but he's posted to Flickr photographs of, of prints um yeah, conceivably they're they're full analog prints i guess uh and uh he's got another one of uh some swans and geese and ducks in a pond uh, taken on a thing called a Konica A4 um, it's a camera that I don't really know a lot about actually anyone you know anything about Graham? Uh, not particularly I think it's just an, a, quite a handy little point and shoot camera um, I, I can't remember why I know that he's saying it's the last time he's going to be using it I don't think he's one that he's particularly attached to but um, no London Camera Project's great he's definitely a, an account worth following on Instagram because he shares lots of other people's work as well as in fact more than their own stuff and um, it's just a very nice friendly uh, awesome people um, as are all the people we deal with on Instagram I think we've just lucked out and found all the best people on Instagram so yeah Excellent Definitely. stuff. So, uh, moving on, a uh, couple of shout-outs to Twitter folk. Uh, the first is Derek Sykes, uh, at Derek underscore James Photo. Uh, he and I were you know, swapped a couple of messages earlier this week. Uh, he has a problem that I think maybe you could relate to, Graham, which he, he needs to slim down his camera collection. No, uh, he doesn't. Derek, you don't need to. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Also, Aid just popped into my brain. Okay, what do you reckon the chances are that Derek James photo is uh, Derek Von Evil? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Well, there you go, see. Um, uh, Derek, Derek, you don't need to slim down your camera collection. If anything, you need more of them. Um, need to buy more to find more pictures of grandmas on expired film. So, well, po possibly, down. but he is thinking. He says of a Fuji six by nine, which is a camera that I really have a hankering after, and and maybe one day we'll get round to getting. Who knows? Anyway, good to to swap messages with you, Derek. And next, uh, another Twitter compadre uh dan smith uh, at dan smith 74 uh he posted a tweet or tweeted a tweet which did you do tweeted a tweet the uh, a couple of days ago saying late to the party but just started the sunny 16 podcast at episode one 
<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not a thing I'd recommend to anybody. I really wouldn't. But um, if he makes it this far, well done, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So, sorry. Good. good to know you, Dan. Um, uh, he was also very complimentary. I'm going to read this out because, you know, if nobody else is going to say good things about us. So he says, brilliant and very amusing. Cheers, guys. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Uh, thank you for listening and good to have you as part of the crew. Uh, that probably concludes my shout outs for the week graham anymore um yeah I, i'm gonna just stick with the ones i mentioned earlier the people um uh, at lebedev uh, at le6edf underscore um lots of really nice pinhole shots on there and um kimmycamera.com um although technically they're, they're product shots because they're showing off the camera straps but they're also they're just really nice portraits of people of of you know with these cameras on and um they're actually very attractive in their own rights so um well worth it and just as always mike padua just you know everyone should be following mike padua because he's just a delight <laughs> an absolute delight okay all right thanks which i think brings us neatly and nicely to the end of the podcast for this week thanks as always uh to chris at pixelatedphotographer.com to bill for the show notes and to kevin mcleod for the theme tune you can find us on instagram at sunny 16 podcast mostly graham there although of course for the last week it's actually been eric as a uh, is it is it a guest curator the term graham certainly yeah eric did a much better you, you can tell when eric was on because there were photos going up every day and then eric stopped doing it and there's been one photo since then because i'm a far poorer curator than eric is was it a photo of some tumbleweed <laughs> i think i shared i think i shared a picture of dave's monkey uh, his aunt <laughs> yes, his aunt i mean you can see the family resemblance i'll say that <laughs> okay uh at sunny 16 podcast on twitter is is mostly me uh the Flickr group is both of us sunny 16 podcast is the Flickr group excellent well thank you very much graham thank you very much everybody else for listening and we will see you next week goodbye bye and get some more whiskey now, Aid. Doesn't mean you've done you much good. I don't know. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs>